Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And welcome to today's episode of Jay Madison's Rural America. And I am your host, Jay Madison. Hope all of you are enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. Glad that you've uh, taken a few minutes of your time to uh, join us here on the podcast. We've got a really great and important show coming to you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the looming rail strike, or at least at this moment in time, there's the potential that a rail strike could be happening as soon as December 5th. Uh, So that's a real concern. Now, back in September of this year, we were hearing about this rail strike and President Joe Biden stepped in and thought he had negotiated a a settlement to the rail strike, uh, went on national TV and, you know, touted his accomplishment. Uh, But then four unions sent him a message and said, no, we're not going to do it. Um, So now, like I said, we're facing that rail strike starting as early as December 5th. And we want to take a look at this issue today. And how critical is this to agriculture and how is this going to impact your bottom line? So, like normal, we have our co-host to the show, Mr. Ron Robbins, but today he's down at the Southern Command Center for all of his empire. Um, (laughs) Down in Florida, Ron Robbins, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Jay. Uh, glad to be back with you. My uh, Nancy and I snuck out of uh, Jefferson County last Thursday late afternoon uh, before the the monstrous snow hit. So uh, we got ourselves south of it. And uh, so all I've got to offer is uh, condolences to everybody <laughs> back north. And, uh, you know, so, so what's the weather like as we're recording the show right now? A uh, little bit overcast today but about 75 degrees so oh geez and uh yeah uh but looking forward to spend a little time down here got myself involved in an ag project down here this winter and uh so kind of looking forward to uh uh getting rolling on that well geez do you think you could at least send me a fruit basket uh i don't know <laughs> Are kind of hard to come by here. Oh, that's year. true. Uh, you know, you you think he'd come up with something, folks, to send uh, up to I'll us. I make sure I'll bring you some little token, Jay. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back Christmas for a couple weeks. So, uh, all right, very good, very good. We're we're glad that you'll be back. Uh, make sure you bring warm weather with us, with you, and uh, want to uh, introduce our our guest today. We have joining us for the first time ever on the podcast, Mister Lest. Oh boy, I can't even say it. Mr. Les Burkhorn. Les is the general manager of Afcratech. That's an animal feed supplement manufacturer who has their North American headquarters right here in Watertown, New York. Les is a 48-year veteran of agriculture. And Les, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you aboard. Well, Jay, thanks. It's a pleasure and I appreciate the opportunity to join you guys. Ron, how are you today? I'm doing great, Les. Good to be on with you here today. Now, Sounds a, like you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, he left on Thursday, the day before 
the big lake effect snowstorm. So his timing was perfect to get out of Dodge and head to a warmer climate. So uh, Les, thanks for uh, joining us today. We really appreciate you uh, bringing your expertise to the to the show, talking about this this potential rail strike and the impact that it has. The reports I'm getting, if a rail strike occurs, it'll be about a $2 billion per day impact on the nation's economy, uh, which is huge. I mean, that's that's a lot of money, you know, would be impacting agriculture. But anyways, yeah, they're saying about a $2 billion per day impact if this rail strike happens. Now, Les, being general manager for Afcratech, why don't you tell us a little bit about Afcratech and the importance of rail to your business? Well, thanks, Jay. Uh, so we we manufacture bypass uh, dairy protein, bypass amino acid product, utilizing uh, canola and soybean meal in the process, a patented process here in Watertown. Our soybean obviously comes from the Midwest. Our canola comes down out of Canada. And the rail strike, not only for us, but for the ag business here in the Northeast, could be critical. To begin with, you know, none of us have enough warehousing to really try to inventory product ahead of time to try to avoid it. There's just not enough inventory in any of the mills. And the challenge will be is that if we do that, if we think about rail cars coming in, for every rail car, we've got three trucks there. And trucks are limited. It's a tough situation. I can, Price increases, uh, grain increases, commodity increases, price increases will be great if we have a rail strike. It's a concern. Um, it'll be tough in order to bring enough product in to satisfy everybody here in the Northeast. So I've, I've really got a concern of what takes place. I'm hoping that it doesn't take place. I'm hoping maybe the government can step in and keep keep things going again. But if not, we could be looking at a major impact on our dairy farms in, in the Northeast. So, Les, um, uh, just uh, you said how many rail cars come into the plant? So we have um, we have about we've got a small amount. We've only got about a couple dozen, okay, a uh, couple dozen a month. But uh, the challenge for us is we our canola comes in on truck out of eastern Ontario, and the problem is is that all the seed is brought in from Western Canada in order to produce the canola meal that we use here. Some of those some of that rail delivery could be interrupted, even though CP isn't on strike. It may have a back backlog effect because a lot of the stuff on the CP comes into the U.S. Uh, they don't want to have their, their uh, yards blocked up with, with uh, cars, and so they'll hold off on shipping product across the country. So even though the CP, the Canadian Pacific, isn't a part of it, it can in- indirectly will impact because of what's going on here in the U.S. Yeah, and I'd never thought about that, that there could be that ripple effect into uh, Canada uh, and their rail industry from the the backup and everything that would occur from ours. I apologize for interrupting you last, but I just, I was curious about the number of cars that come into your plant and then the, the impact beyond there. Um, well, I, th- I think the greater impact will be the, in the feed industry here in the Northeast, you're going to have, you know, anywhere from, it depends on which feed company it is and where they're located, 45 to 60% of their uh, in- commodities are coming in from the West with on rail. And, you know, that's, that's a major concern. It's a major concern for us here because we'll have an impact for a number of reasons, but it, it could be a major impact back out to the entire dairy industry. And speaking of dairy, uh, Ron, your family operates North Harbor Dairy Farm and Robin's Family Grain. People may not think about a local farm here in northern New York being uh, connected to rail that directly, but... Your farm is. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think all the farms directly are impacted by this and, you know, less mentioned, uh, you know, what it could do to grain prices. Uh, you know, we're also in the trucking business. Uh, we move a lot of commodities around the Northeast for various, uh, companies and, um, you know, trucks are in short supply as it is. So, I mean, I literally could see uh, feed mills like Lessons Operation running out of product, uh, not being able to move enough product quick enough, especially in the wintertime, just exacerbates it even more. I mean, look at last week where, I mean, we basically spent three days where trucks really didn't move very much. So, you know, what happens if we have bad weather? Um you know, it's really it's really going to come at a really bad time. I guess that's my point. And one of the things that I was looking at when I was preparing for the show uh, was the impact on the chemical manufacturers and refineries. Uh, they're saying that those will be among the first hit, uh, probably a week out, because the the railroads won't want to have any cars stranded carrying chemicals. And so they'll start to slow up those cars, that transportation, uh, early. There's about 34,000 carloads a week of chemicals transported here in the U.S., 300,000 barrels of crude oil each day, and 5 million barrels of propane each month. So you think about that, Ron, with what you were just saying. If, if, the rail strike, even if even if we're not to the point of the the strike yet, there's that potential they're going to start slowing up the shipment of crude oil, as an example, on rail, and then that in turn starts to impact fuel prices, which then you're going to be and less is going to be more dependent upon that that transportation by truck which is going to be impacted by uh, rising prices that i mean this is potentially a very huge impact well and it's yeah. that snowball effect uh, uh jay because this things back up the railroads got to protect their yards they can't they can only hold so many cars in each yard right and so as that transportation starts to back up or they can't they can't move stuff right um even if it's coming across in canadian rail once they get to, to the u.s side they're going to try to keep minimize that backup. And they got into a problem a few years ago where they had to strike here, where they had rail cars backed up. They couldn't move them. You may have a car that was available, but maybe been blocked into a yard someplace and they couldn't get to it for three or four weeks. So how does that work? I mean, that was interesting for myself and listeners that might not know. You talked about a rail car available to you, but it's blocked in someplace. What do, what do you mean by that? So, so they've got the cars brought into a yard someplace. Yours may have been the first one in, and they've got X number of cars in front of that, and, and it's at the back of the yard, and they just can't, they don't have room to physically shuffle them around in order to pull your car out of the back and put it on track and deliver to you. Hmm. Uh, we had cars sitting uh, within 100 miles of us at that time that we couldn't get because they were just blocked in at different yards. Wow, interesting, interesting. Now, Ron, changing subject just a little bit, you, uh, when you're harvesting your crops... Uh, some of those crops are going on a rail car. What tell us about that? Sending stuff out on rail uh, on occasion. Uh, a lot of soybeans leave, you know, raw soybeans leave uh, 
New York going to places like the Port of Newark for export. A lot of corn out of uh, central New York goes, and, and even northern New York, goes up to Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine to serve the dairy industry up there. I mean, several large feed mills that, you know, they don't grow a lot of crops in that area. So they rely on everything. It's either got to come down out of Canada, out of Quebec, or it's got to come from our area and get shipped up there. So those areas will be really isolated to the point of, you know, probably desperation. And then you think about all the other things that have to go up there, the, you know, whether it's oil or whether it's propane or uh, liquefied natural gas, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff for home heating. Uh, the Port of Albany uh, takes in a lot of ethanol that gets blended out with with gas to meet some of the mandates, uh, you know, emission mandates, and that for all the Northeast area, that all has to come in on rail. Uh, so, you know, it's, it really, the tentacles get pretty deep. Boy, it's, other, go ahead, Les. Well, I was just going to say part of the other challenges of this winter weather, now you've got the, you've got the seaway, right? You can bring stuff in on water, but now you've got the, you get the winter season coming on; it'll be shutting down. So it just depends on how long this rail strike goes. Well, in Ron, I believe it was the last podcast you were talking about what's happening on the Mississippi River. Uh, describe that again. Yeah, so shipping on the Mississippi uh, uh, has been uh, significantly curtailed because of low water levels, and of course that that's been ongoing for the last couple months. And of course, now they're coming into winter. So the upper Mississippi shuts down anyway. You know, I talked to a couple of friends out there this past week that, you know, with uh, with the inability to move grain on the Mississippi down to the Gulf. Uh, and of course, at the same time, you got things like you got those same products moving back north, you know, liquefied natural gas, uh, propane, fertilizer. Uh, you know, all kinds of things used in manufacturing. So you've had that dilemma and uh, that's ongoing. And now you're going to throw a rail strike in there. I mean, think about the big feedlots in Texas, for instance, that, you know, they take hundred car unit trains of corn. Uh, they might use one or two of those a week. Uh, they get loaded in the Midwest and, uh, you know, central Illinois, Missouri, and you know keep all those cattle fed down there that's that's not going to be happening then you have building materials things like lumber you know all kinds of stuff moving so yeah it's you know things are really we always talk about perfect storm right and uh, <laughs> you know i guess you know we had a perfect storm with lake effect the other day and you know you start having this kind of perfect storm in transportation it just it can really get serious really fast it won't since to, to ron's point earlier you know you talk about the truck there's just aren't they're just not available i mean ron's in that business he understands it better than anybody but they're just not available we've had trouble getting uh, bringing product in with trucks uh, they're just they're having trouble finding drivers and then you got the cost the added cost of the fuel on it versus the rail it becomes a nightmare. Yeah, uh, uh, Ron, you mentioned uh, unit trains, and I was reading up on this that the ethanol that's transported by rail, 70% of the United States ethanol supply is transported by rail. It takes 240 tanker trucks, you know, over-the-road tank trucks, 240 of those trucks to equal an 80-car 
unit train transporting that same amount of ethanol. So there'd have to be an extra 240 tanker trucks available to transport the same amount of ethanol. That's a real problem. So that potentially can drive up fuel prices for the consumers out there. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. In a time when we're already seeing the prices for those products go through the roof, right? Yeah, just what we need, just what we need. Um, I was uh, reading in The Hill in an article uh, uh, that was published in The Hill on September 10th, Lee Sanders, and this is sort of changing subject, but I've got food on my mind at the moment. Uh, Lee Sanders, uh, he's Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Public Affairs at the American Bakers Association. He indicated even a short disruption of just a couple days would have a pretty devastating effect. He says millions of Americans will be unable to receive the baked goods they rely upon to feed themselves because it won't be available because of all of this ripple effect through the industry. And then you add on the cost that that could put on the additional cost that that could cause in our food at the supermarket we are talking about something really significant. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to both of you today about this, because when you, when you listen to the regular TV news or read it in the newspaper, you know, you're hearing, oh, it's going to be bad, but you don't hear anything about fuel prices and food supply and agriculture. You know, you're, a lot of the news coverage is talking about, oh, it's coming up on Christmas and consumer goods. And like, I, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. That'll be the least of people's worries. It will be because those things are probably already made. Yeah. And so other than getting it where it needs to go, not that big, a, not that big an impact, but your food supply Ron, how did we describe it? On demand, was that the proper term for our food supply and how it's designed? Yeah, just in time. Just in time. Thank you. Just in time. And so with that food supply, it's just in time. It's made just in time to be bought by the consumer. So there's a more immediate effect on the consumer uh, if a rail strike happens through our food supply, through our food industry. So this could be pretty problematic. Now, do you, I'm going to ask both of you to get your crystal ball out and take a look at it and give your thoughts. Do you think this will happen? Do you think there's the potential for this to happen, for a rail strike to happen? Rob? Well, I would say there's an opportunity. Or less. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed it doesn't, um, but I, you know, there's a strong possibility. The union's you know, they thought they had an agreement. They couldn't come to terms on it. So it, it, it'll be, uh, yeah, I think there's a strong possibility. I mean, I, I, what that percentage is, I don't know. But the other part, the other challenge is going to be, it's not whether it lasts a week or two weeks or three weeks. Now you've got that lingering effect to clean everything up and get things back to normal again. So, you know, if that's a four-week strike, are we looking at eight weeks? Are we looking at 10 weeks before things get back to normal again altogether? Um, it's not just the strike itself, but it's that after it's that, that aftershock, so to speak, trying to get things cleaned up again. Yeah, Ron, what are your thoughts? Uh, my gut's telling me it's going to happen. I, as much as I wish it wouldn't, I just I feel like uh, it's it's going to happen. Now, <laughs> my understanding is is that Congress can step in and say no to it, which. Hopefully they would, but the timing of this, talking about that perfect storm, Ron, 
the timing of this situation is such that right now we're sort of in that lame duck Congress where we've had the midterm election. There's going to be a change in the House of Representatives from the Democrats controlling it to the Republicans controlling it. There's there's a state of flux, if you will, in the House of Representatives. And we're even though we know the Democrats are going to control the Senate, there's still a, an election out there that hasn't you know, that we have to have the runoff election. So there's some chaos there a little bit. And so it's not a great time to, you know, potentially have such an important issue like this be depending potentially on Congress to act. Your thoughts, Les? Uh, it, it, <laughs> when you get into politics, <laughs> well, when you being, get into politics, being Jay, careful, being careful. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll be careful here because, <laughs> You know, I, I would agree, Ron. I think there's a strong possibility this is going to happen. Will Congress step in? I would hope that they would, but it's it's just an unknown, right? Um, you've gone through the midterms. Uh, are they going to? You know, are they going to? We've had all we we come. You know, we've had all kinds of problems. You know, we had uh, we had COVID that, that hit hit the economy for two years. This would definitely upset the economy. I would hope that they would be. You know, that they would step in and do the right thing. I'm just not certain they will. I, I'm not. I, I don't know which way. Go either way, Jay. In my mind. Yeah, Ron, your thoughts? Uh, I I think you're spot on, Jay, and and the fact that you know they're focused on uh, you know this posturing for this new Congress. Um, it's the holiday season. We all know the politicians don't work very hard during that time anyway. Um, you know, this can this can be a way for the Democrats having lost the House to kind of make the Republicans look bad right out of the gate. You know, so I I just don't see Congress. I don't think they have the stamina to step in and do something. And the Democrats aren't going to want to buck the unions. Um, I, I just think it's a, you know, once again, it's just a, a mess that they're not going to want to get their hands dirty, at least initially, and uh, it's going to put us in a bad place. Hmm. Well, boy, um, let's hope, let's hope that, uh, number one, uh, the unions can negotiate with the railroad companies and negotiate a, a deal that settles all of this uh, very quickly. Um, that would be the best outcome. And then if not, let's hope that Congress steps in and says, wait a minute here, there's too much at stake. You need to uh, go back to the table and you're not going to strike. Uh, we can't have this happen because as, as we've talked about, there's just too much at stake for the nation as a whole at a time when we're already dealing with some, some real serious problems. Uh, we don't need something as... Uh, as impactful as this will be, uh, you know, coming into play. It's just not a good time for any of this to happen. So, uh, Les, uh, anything we've missed from from your perspective on this issue? No, I think we've I think we've touched the key things, and uh, you know, I just it it's sad if this takes place because it'll have a you know much greater impact than what I think anybody recognizes i think uh you two guys both have your arms around what what could happen and i'm just not sure everybody's looking at the whole picture of what could take place i mean it, it's gonna it's gonna have a major impact in the entire economy yeah yeah absolutely uh ron your any last thoughts uh that you have no i totally agree i um um 
it's it's a you know it's a scary time we're in. There's a lot of moving parts, and and the last thing we need is something like this to upset you know the apple cart even more. Uh, a lot of volatility, a lot of a lot of problems around the world. Uh, really puts us in a very vulnerable position. Um, you know whether it's food security, which leads to national security. Uh, you know our energy policies are already. Uh, you know, strained. Let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed here and be positive. I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah we we painted a pretty uh, uh, potentially gloomy picture here. So uh, we can only hope that uh, all of our concerns do not come to reality here. Uh, Less, uh, just want to say to you because I understand you're thinking about retiring here. Uh, thank you very much for all of your service to the agricultural industry. You have been fantastic to work with, sir, and it's been very appreciated. Well, thank you, Jay, and you've been uh, great to work with. And I've known Ron for a lot of years. Uh, Ron is an outstanding, uh, he's been an outstanding asset to the ag business uh, and continues to be in the family business there, and it's good to be a part of it. I've enjoyed it. It's been a great 48 years. It's treated me well, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to some retirement and spending a little more time with the family. There you go. And Ron has an extra bedroom down there at the uh, Southern Command Center. So <laughs> sounds pretty sounds pretty inviting. You know, I was thinking last going back to the days down at Agway, and uh, I had a you know an old single axle truck, and we were delivering feed. And you and I would go out, and we'd have to shovel on a load of oats or unload a load of bag fertilizer and carry it down yep. into a barn. And uh, so uh, we, uh, a lot of memories going back to those days. Yeah, a lot of things, a lot of memories, a lot of things have changed the way, the way this industry is. Well, all right, it's gentlemen. Great. Thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. Both of you enjoy the holiday, enjoy the uh, turkey or whatever it is you're having for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. You just make sure you enjoy the day. You also, well, Jay, you and your family. All right, folks, that's it. You have a fantastic holiday. Stay safe out there. Make sure to give thanks to all of our farmers who work hard every day, including Thanksgiving Day, to make sure that you have the food that you're going to enjoy during dinner. So have a great time, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.